In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Hello. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England Zone Band Helsink. And with me is, this is interesting, uh, Cal? Nope. Okay. Uh, anyways, uh, we're still trying to get a hold of Cal. He's probably still at the pub, so I don't really know. But anyways, we have a great guest for us uh, tonight, and she is from the U.K., of course, and her name is Michelle. Michelle Maybell, are you there? I certainly am. Okay. Hello. <laughs> what was that? I don't know. Paranormal, presumably. <laughs> was, was it was it me entering the show, perhaps? Oh my God! There he is, the rock star himself, Mr. Cal Cooper. Whoa! Um, Cal, yeah, you know, I thought I was going to have to do your intro and say um, New England's own Van Helsing. Well, I actually had to skip that because there was like nobody around. I was whistling to myself here for a minute there. But anyway, oh, I thought I got here just in time. No, I was actually sure we started. Uh, Anyways. I'll uh, see you about it tomorrow. Yeah, well, yeah. I just may leave you standing in the airport. Anyways, <laughs> we, we have our, a young lady with us now. Um, Cal, you want to do the introduction on this? Um, okay, yes, I can. Ah, um, that's what you get for being late. We... Okay. We have with us on our side of the pond in the UK, we have um, a lady of many talents, it seems, psychic and tarot card reader, Michelle Jones. Hello, Michelle. Hello. 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 It's nice, nice to meet you all. <laughs> that, was, that was a pretty rough start to the show, and I, I do apologize <laughs> for that, Michelle. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's the way it is, unfortunately. But, you, you know, I, I, I looked through your... Um, your little biography that uh, Cal had sent me, and uh, it mentions the runes. Do you do you do you do much with the runes? Uh, not exactly. No, I I I have my own method of using runes, which uses crystals rather than specific runes. But I have an interest in runes and um, and all sorts of interesting Nordic and Scandinavian mythology and things like that. Mm-hmm. I, I've always been fascinated with them. Uh, they, they seem really interesting. Uh, but 
I haven't been able to talk to anybody in depth about them, so that's I'm still on my quest for that, anyways. But uh, so you, you use them, you use them in totally differently. Uh, uh, you use them as crystals. I mean, anybody can make runes, and well, I don't want to get into a Absolutely. room show. Actually, we're, we're talking about you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so. Anyways, Michelle, uh, are you, are you, do you, believe, you are a mediumistic, uh, you are a medium, right? Uh, I am, yes. I, I grew up in a, a fairly scary house, which mm-hmm. opened me to a paranormal side of things at a very early age. And, um, and then as, a lot, as, as happens with a lot of people, as you grow up, it falls into the, the background as you get on with life. And it wasn't until the mid-90s that I actively started to pursue it. Um, I had a, basically, I had an accident that ended my career in the oh. real world, as we say, and, um, <laughs> uh, and, and set me off on a completely different path in, in the unreal world, which um, I have to say is far more rewarding than recruiting and doing stuff in HR. <laughs> Well, you know, who knows which is the real world and which is isn't. You know what I'm saying? Our real life might just be a dream. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I had my proof, if you like, um, some years ago of a, of the stuff that we can't see, should we say, a, a spirit realm. And, um, and I firmly believe that. And part of my mission is to help other people find their own proof. Oh, that's cool. So do you believe that uh, proof is a more of a personal uh, experience yeah. and rather for yeah. everyone? I, I think it can be. I mean, my, my proof came. I mean, do, do you want me to tell you what that is? Yes, I was actually going to go okay. into that. Somehow we switched <laughs> off to this, but it's part of the yeah, course. Well, I think Mercury's in retro or something. I don't know. Who knows? Oh, oh fair enough. Um, no, basically, I... I Back in 1989, I was walking to work one morning, had the strongest feeling that a friend of mine was walking up behind me and um, kept on looking behind. There was no sign of him and even turned around and shouted out his name at one point. And, um, and he wasn't there. And I went to work and at lunchtime, somebody came in with a copy of the local paper and his face was all over the front of the paper because unfortunately and tragically, he'd been killed in a in a motorcycle accident two days previously, oh, and wow. um, it it sort of got it got very weird with um, the feeling that he was just constantly around for about three weeks until eventually it became so intrusive that I told him to go away in no uncertain terms, and he did, and I felt horribly guilty. Um, and then his he just got engaged. It was it was it was a real tragedy. His fiance came to see me in a, in a bit of a state because she knew that I was someone that believed in these things. And she'd been to see a professional medium who had told her that when he'd first passed over, um, he'd been very confused. But then he'd been met by Bambi, who'd taken him off into the light. And and she was, you know, what, what on earth is this? Who's Bambi? Well, yeah. my, my blood just sort of literally ran cold because it was a, a very private nickname for another chap that only two or three people knew. And she certainly didn't know. Um, and Bambi had unfortunately himself died a few years previously on the Zabrugga Ferry tra- tragedy, and um, and there was no way that she that that his fiance knew that name, let alone a medium who knows nothing about either of them. So for me, that was a a proof that you know he was out there somewhere. 
Yeah. I mean, that's something like that is, uh, I mean, that's pretty eye-opening when you can pick up something mm. that makes absolutely no sense and make sense out of it. Yeah, absolutely. I did a reading for um, a lady a few years ago, and uh, I, all the time I was doing the reading, I kept getting this very, very strong image of roundabouts. And um, I don't know if you have roundabouts. Do you have roundabouts in, in New England? Yeah, we call them rotaries, but they're the same thing. You, okay. Well, anyway, <laughs> I, kept, I kept seeing roundabouts in this, this reading. And in the end, I, I said to this girl, look, I'm, I'm sorry, this, this makes no sense to me at all, but I've got to tell you, what on earth have roundabouts got to do with you? And she just started laughing. It, it turned out she was a landscape gardener and, and her and her husband had just taken on a big contract to do all the flowers for all the roundabouts in their town. <laughs> oh. <laughs> There's always something somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that, that is quite specific. <laughs> yeah. It is. <laughs> So, so Cal, as a parapsychologist, I mean, how, how do you look at this? I mean, especially like, for instance, the Bambi episode. I mean, do you find that is is telling truth, or or uh, is there an, a logical explanation for it? Well, um, you've got to judge each case on its merits. Really, you can't just like see one or two cases that are presented to you and say, well, you know, they're useless stories and kind of throw them away. I was just reading um, some of Michelle's bio, and I like um, this quote that she now concentrates on helping folks to believe that you do not have to sit cross-legged on a mountaintop, clad only in roughly woven loincloth in order to live a spiritual life. That's the same for also having paranormal experiences. They happen mm. daily. Um, people can experience ghosts daily, have psychic experiences, telepathic experiences, premonitions of future events. And you just have to weigh up each case, the context, life events that are going on, and how specific this psychic experience is. I mean, did you obtain information that there is no possible way you could have obtained it by any other means, either through some sort of um, suggestion from the environment and different things, or picking up cues that led you to kind of lead to this possibility of things to happen in the future? Um, you know, but th those two cases that we've had there, those are very specific, you know, and the roundabouts as well. I mean, there's not many roundabouts. Well, I I'd say there's probably more roundabouts now that are just plain roundabouts mm. in the UK compared to the ones that are actually decorated now with flowers and so forth. Because, uh, you know, the local council do have to commission mainly uh, villages or um, some towns that will actually go and do those up. So that's, that's certainly an odd one. When I've done cold reading and Barnum scripts before. That's certainly nothing I've ever kind of dared to kind of have a go at. So if it was something that was hitting you and, you know, really nagging at you in your head and you just had to get it out, you know, that's a good hit wherever it came from. Yeah, you know? the thing was, um, it, so it, sorry, it, it happened in, um, in Leeds. Um, I'd yeah. gone up for a specific event, so I, I didn't know the, the girl and I'd never see her again. So it was, it was very specific. Talk about roundabouts, I sound like I heard one. Yeah, sorry, there's no way I can help that. I'm in Old Portsmouth at the moment, and even though I'm on probably the second floor of the building, um, it's the worst place for mopeds, motorbikes, <laughs> and so forth going by. When I'm working, it puts me off something rotten, and you've caught it on the worst day when the sun is shining, everyone's going to the beach, and you've got mopeds and motorbikes galore. <laughs> no roundabouts, there. No logical explanation. There you go. So, I mean, Michelle, I mean, you had experiences you when you were young and everything else, yes. but it, it, it's a big thing, I think, for a, a person to really accept that they have a talent for this. And, and 
then the further step to come out publicly and and admit it and eventually to earn a living doing it. I mean, was it difficult for you as well? It, it was very difficult. Um, I didn't tell my husband we'd been married for about seven years before I told him that um, I thought I was probably completely round the bend. Um, in fact, to be honest, it was the, the internet that helped me realise that I wasn't round the bend. There was, there was a, um, a couple of years where I was being, I can only use the word bombarded by things like voices in my head, things that people get sent, you know, a way to um, psychotherapists to have sorted out. Um, and, and he was working away a lot. And I, I, I went online and discovered that, that actually, if I was nuts, then so was half the planet because it appeared there were an awful lot of other people out there. So I, and this, this was around, oh, 1995, something like that, um, 96. And, and it, it was a very gradual process. I was terrified of what my family were going to say. Um, I've got three brothers, um, one of whom, my eldest brother, I don't know if he's listening, but he calls me psycho sis, which, (laughs) (laughs) psychosis. It's sort of, uh, sort of a pun, really. I think he thinks I'm nuts. Um, but it, it, it was, it was very, very difficult to come out into the open and actually admit that I could do this stuff because you just, you just think people are going to laugh at you. And, and growing up, um, I would never have said anything to anyone. I, I, the, well, it's a very long story, so I won't go into it now. But the the, the house that I grew up in was um, was terrifying to me. I was terrified of going to sleep. I was persecuted by a woman who appeared to fall in holes in front of me in my dreams. And I found out later that the the previous occupant um, had Hello? committed. Sorry, can you hear me? Yeah. Hello. Oh yeah. Okay. Previous oh. occupant had um, committed suicide in the back garden by setting fire to herself. Um, and yeah um and i think she i believe that she attached herself to me and it took me until i was about 36 to get rid of her (laughs) but it did it certainly opened me up to things (laughs) there's been a lot of studies that have um stated that anyone that's had um experiences following a death or bereavement or even ones where you've not really suffered of late um uh, a, a death in the family of friends and so forth that most people that have had communication um with spirits um whether they knew them or not the first instinct was uh, as you said with the reference to your brother the first instinct for a lot of people is to think that they're delusional especially mm-hmm. if they're alone when they have the experience there's always this instant self-doubt and it's only when uh, either presenting them to parapsychologists or looking at other accounts in certain books and stuff that the person starts to realize Okay, right, loads of other people have had these, so I wasn't delusional, but what do they mean? And then there's various kind of uh, life changes that can come out of having these experiences as well. Mm, mm. I don't believe that I would ever have... um, I call it coming out of the broom cupboard. I don't think I'd have ever come out of the broom cupboard um, if it hadn't have been for the accident in 1995. Um, And I believe that slightly unbalanced though it sounds um that that accident was actually sent to slow me down and um and make me take stock and recognize what was happening oh yeah 
Well, the, the near-death experience is certainly, you know, one of the most powerful ones. There's even mm. um, in the Journal of Transpersonal Psychology looked at people that went to view a film that was specifically about a person's life and living with having had um, near-death experiences. And a lot of people that went that had suffered heart attacks and other things and been in um, car accidents and had... Um, various forms of near-death experiences that were promoted by different uh, things, they all watched the film and it completely changed their life around by seeing how much this one experience can actually promote different meanings in different people and how it then alters their life and uh, you know the, their taste for life and what they do. But you, know, you could go from being one person that's very antisocial and never goes out a lot to having a near-death experience and going out and then you know being very arty and creative or extreme sports and so forth. So it's incredible how much of a positive boost these experiences can be. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, interesting. And uh, by the way, you, a broom, would you call it a broom? A broom cupboard. <laughs> a broom cupboard. Is that like yeah, a closet? It's, yeah, it's like a closet, but it's not coming out of the closet because um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not coming out of the closet. I'm coming out of the broom cupboard. <laughs> okay, okay. With a broom. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, yeah, because I, I remember even uh, when I first met Maureen, and Maureen is a, uh, an excellent uh, trans medium, and, uh, but she had kind of been uh, persecuted all her life. Not, you know, not like a witch or anything, but definitely uh, instances where people <clears throat> thought there was something wrong with her, and uh, she was very shy about admitting what she did. But when she hooked up with me, then... Uh, uh, I was able to get her out of the closet and, and admit that's what she did. And, and, and it, believe it or not, it, it was because of that that she got her last job in, in the presentation. She did it on, it, it was a teaching job, and she did it on dowsing, which uh, really impressed the people that, so much that it hired, so hired them. So it, it's kind of interesting that, yeah, maybe some things do happen for a reason. I think they do. You, you know the, the old adage, be careful what you wish for? Mm -hmm. um, I, I had that rammed down my throat forcefully in uh, 2004. Um, I, I said to my, my husband one night, um, I was very, very overweight at the time, and uh, I said to him that I would do anything, anything on this planet to get a tummy tuck. Um, and we couldn't afford <laughs> one, obviously. And it, it was fairly desirable to me. And three weeks later, um, and I will stress that I am absolutely fine now. And <laughs> mm -hmm. um, three weeks later, I was diagnosed with very aggressive breast cancer oh, and ended God. up having a tummy tuck because they used my stomach to mm -hmm. make me a new booby. <laughs> oh, wow. And, and, I, and I tell you, that has been another life-affirming thing. It makes me sound like a complete car crash of an individual. But... Um, uh, it has been a very, very positive thing. <laughs> it's very sweet as well that you you using words that I absolutely love and make me smile. Tell me in booby. Instead of saying stomach or breast, tell me in booby. Thank you, Cal. It's, it's, it's <laughs> difficult. You know, it's it's my first time on an international radio station. What words <laughs> are appropriate? <laughs> 
we did it. Well, you know what? It's okay because it's this international radio station. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. Every, everyone that knows me, you'll fit right in fine. I, I was thinking about when you first started talking, I says, oh, what a nice person you are. You're, you're my type okay. of person. You're really a... Uh, down to earth, uh, you know, free spirit, and I love that. It was so fun. I have to admit, though, when I I read that bio that uh, Cal sent me to, and and uh, I kind of like jumped to, around it, and I came to that part where like, uh, yeah, with uh, uh, whatever it was in the the cloth and everything else. I said, "Oh my God, she sounds like a wacko." <laughs> but that was that was. Oh, I thought that was funny, though. Anyways. If anything, when I when I read that part, I just got down to the the book that I'm quite interested in coming up. Um, Michelle has coming out, and it's just called "Throw Away Your Loincloth." And I thought, oh, kinky. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was like, what's going on here? Yeah, what kind of guest did they get me today? So you do have a book coming out. Why don't we talk a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, since Cal brought yeah, it up, it's um, it's basically born out of my own desire to try and. Um, live a spiritual life and the, the, pr the problem is every person on this planet will understand this life is so hectic at the moment I mean 10 years ago we were we had our computers and things but we didn't have all the social media that took up our time um, we've got labor-saving devices that mean we're no longer active we don't have to get up and turn over the television channel. We don't have to peel our own carrots if we don't want to, or potatoes, or even mash them if you don't want to. Um, there's a labour-saving device for anything, for absolutely everything, it seems. And there is no room in this hectic life with looking after your family and children and going to work and um, for any form of, of spiritual life. And... Um, I believe that having worked on this now for the last 15, 16 years, that you can build it into your everyday life. So you don't need that loincloth. You don't need to be a Tibetan ascended master in order to be able to really communicate with whatever's out there and feel that sense of connection. So many people that I speak to want to feel that sense of connection. And what it is that you're connected to, that depends on your point of view. I'm... It could be your version of God. It's not my second book, I think, is probably going to be called Insert Deity Here because it doesn't matter who you believe in um, as long as you, you have some form of connection, whether it's to nature or God or whatever. So that, that's really what the book's about. It's about throwing away loincloth and actually doing something that helps you to feel connected and fitting it into the spaces in your day so that you don't feel you have to make extra time for it. That's it in a nutshell, basically. Mm. So it's, um, what? <laughs> Silly what I was about to say. But I was saying, yeah, it's a, it's a mental loincloth then. Just dispense yes. with anything. Dispense with anything that is just, you, you've just been going on with it for years. It's been taking up time. Anything, any thoughts, ambitions, things, you've just got to go for it. Yeah, you have sort of absolutely. Yeah. If if you don't, the, the the saying about the you know the longest journey starts with a single step. Yeah. Um, ten years ago, I would have loved to have written a book, but I would have said ten years ago that I didn't have the time to do it. Um, now I still don't have the time to do it, but somehow it's happening because yeah. I do a little bit every day, and even if it's only two hundred words, um, I had a period in May when I wrote. 36,000 words in nine days um, and 
Oh, it was very handy time that. Um, <laughs> I was away. <laughs> I was away. My husband was working away in Finland, and uh, we go over there quite a bit. And I managed to hide in a suitcase for a couple of weeks. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> uh, the company were happy for me to go. I'll be fair. Uh, but for the first time since I left home, I had no family to look after. He was at work all day. Time to myself. Fantastic. So I took my iPad and my keyboard and sat in the library in Turku in southern Finland and wrote every day. And it was fabulous. Just fabulous to have that time to myself. Hmm. Did, did, a, did a lot of the kind of inspiration for the book come from different thoughts and theories you tinkered with with your um, column with the Turn to the Angels with Michelle Jones? Um, no, it's to be honest. No. Well, I, I have a ten-minute tip segment okay. in there, and and those I use. But um, the the angel thing is is a separate thing. I do talk about angels in the book, but um, the column is 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 all about angels, and the book is far broader than just. I'm doing sign language here with my hands, and you can't see. <laughs> <me>. I can. <laughs> good. I'm remote viewing right now. I can see exactly. Oh, that's what you're good. Doing. That's really? <laughs> what color are my boxes, Kel? Uh, the Union flag ones, actually. There you go. You're right. Absolutely. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> yes. Yes. But it's, it's nearly finished now. So um, with a with a fair wind, it should be published early in 2013. Oh, good work. If yes. we're around in 2013, of course, you realize that, right? Do you know... We will be on on the thirty first of January, nineteen ninety nine. I had a lovely gentleman knock my front door and ask me what I thought was going to happen on the first of January, two thousand. <laughs> and I said I thought I was probably going to lie in for a bit and then get up and do the washing. And he said, "No, no, the world is going to end at midnight." And what I should have said at that point, I, I sent him on his way. What I should have said at that point was, "Would you make over all your money and your house and everything to me today?" Um, and then I could have been smug on the first, but I didn't do that. <laughs> Actually, that had, has happened in the past. There was, I know, the last uh, end of the world scare, a guy in New York did that. He sold everything really? and uh, gave it all away, and, of course, it didn't happen. So the, the interesting thing about something like that, when they, get, they actually have a dateline, like, for instance, the, the Millennium one, the, 20, the 1999, I mean, yeah. it's... The time zones are all over the place. Which one do you really go by? I'm just Absolutely. curious. And the calendars have changed. I mean, we, we mm. added 11 days to the, the calendar, didn't we, in 17, whatever it was. Um, so and you're looking at the Julian calendar, the Jewish calendar. Which calendar are you using? Exactly. And this is all our own concept anyway at the time. So this is just our way of measuring day-to-day -day things in our history. Mm, absolutely. Don't you think the Mayans probably thought to themselves, do you know I think we've done enough on this calendar now? We've got to stop somewhere. <laughs> no, actually it's there. It's on the other side of that tablet. You just haven't turned it over. <laughs> oh, there we go. Have you had a sneaky peek then, Ron? I have. I have. I re <laughs> remote viewed it. You know that. Ah, uh, there we go. Oh, dear. Mm. Not a problem. No. With one of the crystal skulls, of course. But anyways, um, we're just about coming up to break time. And uh, uh, anything quickly you want to add before we scoot off the break? Anyone? Well, well no enough. I'm, I, I'm actually holding some Xena cards, Ron. I just wanted you to kind of guess the one that I'm holding out right now and looking at, just just in case you can remote view it. I don't know what, what Xena card is. Oh, it's the shapes, the five shapes. Which shape am I looking at? You I know, close my eye. 
I closed my eyes, and I saw, and I'm just telling you what I saw. I saw wiggle in the middle, square, and circle. And I don't know what the hell that means, but that's what I saw. That's cheating by saying about three of them. <laughs> I know. But, I, hey, I closed my eyes, and I, you know what? I tell the truth. You want me to make up stuff? I'll make up stuff, but it isn't. Anyways, we have to take a break on that Zeneca <laughs> thing. But anyway, that's a good experiment. we got to try this more often. Anyways, okay. you are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Mr. Cal Cooper, the rock star of the parapsychologist in New England's own Van Helsing, Mr. Ron Kolick. And we'll be right back after the following messages here. I told you that Pararex Ghost Channel and beyond. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. of the New England Ghost Project, New England's own Van Helsink. And I'm Ann Kerrigan, the blonde bombshell, and I'm the lead investigator of East Bridgewater's Most Haunted. And we'd like to invite you to tune in Ghost Chronicles, the next generation. Every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on www.toginet.com. So, so Ann, what are they going to hear on this stupid show? What are they going to hear? They are going to hear things that they can't believe are happening. Like, uh, Beyond Bizarre. And Cemetery Tripping. Oh, that's your deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, one of these days you're going to get so scared of one of these Cemetery Tripping things that uh, I'll have to get a new (laughs) co-host. I am brave beyond belief. Yeah, we'll see. scares me. So anyways, if you're bored and you got nothing to do on Wednesday night, tune in to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ann and Ron. See you then. And we are back. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with the very dapper Mr. Cal Cooper. And, of course, New England's own Van Helsink. Or with my con neck, according to Steve Parson, whatever it is. Uh, Ron Kolick. And our very special guest is Michelle Jones right here on Pararex, Tojinet, Ghost Channel, and Beyond. So, Wait, what was that uh, name? What, what did Steve call you? Uh, I wrote it down somewhere, cognac, cognac, or whatever it is. <laughs> cognac? Uh, yeah, I, I wrote it somewhere. I can't remember where the hell I wrote it. It's, <laughs> it's some kind of a ghost hunting dude that he wrote, he read books about. They're really old, and he said it describes me better than Van Helsing. So, wait a minute, right. right here. Okay, I'll get back to him on that. We'll come get up with a few names fine. for you. Fine, though. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, and Michelle Jones is uh, our very, very special guest. She is. Uh, do you have a website there, uh, Michelle? I do. It's michellejones.me.uk. Dot me? Yes, dot me, dot uk. 
Okay, mm. couldn't spell dot com, huh? <laughs> uh, <laughs> unfortunately, Michelle Jones is is a fairly common name, um, uh, so um, my I, my website's been up there now since I think nineteen ninety five or ninety six, and um, originally it was Penny Moon, because uh, one of my one of my children looked up at a big summer moon in the sky and said, "Oh, it looks like a Penny Moon." So oh, everyone cool. thought for years that my name was Penny Moon. And uh, in the last year or so, I've been reclaiming my identity. But, of course, michellejones.com has long since gone. So I am michellejones.me.uk. I think that's quite a cool nickname, Penny Moon. Thank you. You know what? If I was going to be a stripper, (laughs) that's what I would use. (laughs) Uh, I've I've been Penny Moon for so many years, and I'm sort of both now. (laughs) I I, I think it's um, a cute name. It really is a cute name. I I mean, it's so simple, yet it's, it's, well, anyways... Right there along. he goes again, Ron Kolek, <laughs> the flirt. Oh, thank <laughs> you. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Flirting with every guest. <laughs> yeah, you're just jealous, Cal. Cal. Sorry, Cal, can <laughs> I ask you something? Yeah, go on. Have you ever been scared on a paranormal investigation? Ooh. Um, Cal doesn't believe in the, in the paranormal. Oh, the, the, <laughs> the one time I did jump, I was in Plessy Vale Mills. And we were going around with members of the public, and this guy was stood closer to me than I actually thought he was when I was actually <laughs> trying to help some people out. And when I turned around, he was literally, you know, lips yeah. to lips, just about, and it just made me jump really because <laughs> I didn't expect him to be there. So I thought it was probably this ghost about to try and um, snog my face off, but that made me Woo-hoo. jump. Yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> no, I, I kind of like it. I mean, um, there's always the adrenaline rush, but nothing that's ever so, like made me say, no, I'm, I'm not going in there. There's no way I'm going in that room. And then, you know, you have to either be pushed in or just run off. There was one time we went to Clifton Hall and we took at least three three or four police officers with us and I had to go down to the uh, old cellar that's got these massive cast iron doors in it. Uh, and you can't move them because they're listed, so you have to leave them in the position that these doors are open and some are only partially open, so you have to squeeze through the door to get into some of the cells down there. And you think, well, you know, what happened if this door shut on me? I'm stuck. <laughs> and um, I was um, heading through the main dining rooms with... Um, Karen who was one of the police officers we took and she was just way too scared because there was this strange whistling noise that no one could track down that was quite responsive I just couldn't believe it that a police officer was way more frightened of this stuff than than I was but no I've only had one case of jumping it just because there's someone standing too close to me (laughs) it's my experience if, if you like scared people, then on uh, Spur Request is this weekend, and we're doing the Psychic Science Ghost Hunt. And one of the young ladies that's going to the ghost hunt, uh, she's a member of the Spiritualist Church, and a spirit communicator, and she's a screamer. Ooh, that should be fun. <laughs> the What's trouble good? is... Sorry, go on. No, no, you go, you go, go. I was just going to say that the, the trouble is that sometimes... Um, it's either the the skeptics or the experts that scream more than the public. <laughs> I, I I think I sometimes if it's a public event, I can just I admit to being sometimes on occasions I can be a bit a little bit naughty and just wind people up a little bit more <laughs> just to kind of add to the scare factor just because I'm loving it. It's been ages since I've been out on a a public ghost hunt, so uh, mm. you know I really enjoy them because there is quite a buzz from 
everyone being there, enjoying the environment and mm. so forth. It, it is quite different to when you're doing a, a proper investigation and everyone's got mm. their own job to go and do, and sometimes you're sat in silence for four hours or so, just waiting mm. for camera footage to finish and changing the tapes. And it's that that can scare you a lot more because you're mm. sat alone and your mind begins to wander. You know, you could end up starting to get quite drowsy in a hypnotic state, then you start to see things... And, you know, you start to question, well, have I just seen something or is it because I'm dropping off? You know, so many different mm. things. But what scared you the most, Michelle? <laughs> well, strangely, um, there's two things that, that scared me. One was indeed similar to your experience in the, um, the basement or dungeon, if you like, of Southsea Castle. And um, was there with a group uh, of um, estate agents from Calplane or real estate agents, as you'd call them. Oh, and, you could have uh, some fun with those. Yeah, well, I was I was stood there with this this lady, and we're looking over towards this very it's completely pitch black, and she said, "Did something move over there?" And I said, "I don't know. Did it? Oh my God, it's moving!" And it was another real estate agent stood in the corner, <laughs> and it's just because you think there's nobody there, like like yourself. But the the thing that um, I have to say, the other thing that did scare me was um, one evening in Felton House with Nori. And um, uh, we were shutting up after the public had gone home. And there was a, a narrow, very, very narrow little staircase that twisted round. It was only wide enough for one person with a corridor at the top that nobody liked. And we went up this staircase and, and we were just chatting. We were just going up to sort of ch check the place was clear before we locked up. And got to the top and looked at the end of this corridor. And there was this horrible, menacing black shape at the other end of the corridor and both of us just the, the mood in a flash just changed and we both screamed and then we got jammed in the staircase literally got jammed in the staircase <laughs> side by side because there wasn't enough room for two people to go down we were fighting each other to get down the staircase and we finally got down to, down the bottom and um jonathan uh, Jonathan Fost, who was um, there as well, was at the bottom. And we're going, Jonathan, Jonathan, we, there's something up there. We're, we're scared, we're scared. And and so Jonathan, who is, is one of the world's greatest sceptics, I have to say, um, was also extremely scared. I wouldn't go up there. Um, we did persuade him in the end while we hung on to him. And then, um, of course, there was nothing there. But as we went, um, I loved his parting shot. As we went, he shut the door and he said, we're going now. So, so you can do what you like. And then he shut the door and we all ran away. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, marvellous, had this fantastic investigation with um, quite a lot of stuff that happened that we couldn't explain. And then at the very end, something really scary comes out and the big, brave investigators run away. <laughs> you know, I've never been scared. I've been asked that a dozens and dozens of times and I never have. I think maybe I have really? ice water in my veins. I don't know what it is, but never, ever. Really? Nothing has made you jump at all. No, not at all. Not uh, even by accident. Not even, yeah, not even by accident. Uh, never. Uh, maybe I'm dead. I don't know. Maybe you know. I know. Next time, poke me with a stick and see if I move. I know I have no clues. But I mean, uh, working with Mar Ma working with Maureen. I mean, it, when she does, goes into the trans medium thing, and uh, when you get a, a nice nasty spirit that comes through, and it's very aggressive to me and everything else. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it just didn't all my fears. I have no clue. But or the near death experience. I don't know. I really don't know. I just. I really haven't. I mean, there's always 
a first time. So, hey. Well, yeah, you, you've got me in the week to come, so. Uh, yeah, that's pretty I'll scary. I'll make you Cal, you know that. <laughs> I'll make you jump. It, it's funny, I mean, because we, we did a, uh, a, light, a haunted lighthouse tour uh, last month, and one of uh, the members that was helping us out, and she was at a Coast Guard station, and, and she saw someone there, and she went to investigate it. This is what you should do, and she called out and everything else. The next thing I know, she gives out a little yelp and runs down the boardwalk again. <laughs> it's like, what, what? She's there's something there, something there. I said, okay, so let's go see. <laughs> it's like, that's, that. that's why we're there. We're there to try to find what's ever there to discover. Yeah. It's... it's- no, go on, go, go, go. I was going to say, it's the, it's the fear of the unknown, isn't it? Because we are there to try and to try and communicate and, and prove that, you know, these that, that spirits are out there trying to talk to us. And yet, the second something happens, they must be thinking, oh, God, <laughs> running away again. <laughs> well, that, that's happened a few times when the public, um, again, when I've been going around, there must be at least, you know, 30 or 40 members of the public going about and then you're, you're going to corridors and so forth, so you're having to take them in groups. And I've just been freely wandering from group to group, really, just overseeing everything that was going on. This this was several years ago. Um, but certainly in the mills, you know, you get a group that suddenly says, oh, my God, did you just see that? That man walked off down that corridor, you know, and he was wearing this and this. Oh. And, and then several other people say, yeah, look, I, I just saw him go past the door again. And then I go, okay, just everyone stay together as a group, and then I just wander off in that direction, into the dark. And then you could just, I could just hear them all saying, oh my God, he's an effing nutter. What's he doing going off on his own? It's like everyone's just huddled together, not wanting to move at all, because they've seen this guy who's not part of the group wandering off. Sometimes it could be the security guard walking around on his own. But other times I'd end up finding no one. But it didn't really bother me. I, I just thought it was quite interesting that people had seen, they were adamant they'd seen someone down there. I yeah. know I checked it and there was no one behind me, so I'd have to go back and double check. Mm-hmm. It seems to me that most of uh, I mean, my investigators seem to be more scared of spiders than anything else. Oh, don't go there. Well, <laughs> <laughs> like, you had a lot of investigations where people have encountered spiders. Been what? Yeah. Have you, have you had a lot of investigations where people have encountered spiders? Oh, yeah, of course, because that's where you're crawling through the old, all that old stuff. Yeah, oh, definitely, there's spiders everywhere. But oh, uh, I, I have one member of my team, and I'm not going to mention his name, Clay. Um, but <laughs> he's a scared of spiders, dolls, uh, heights, uh, potato chips, uh, painting, shoes. Yeah, yeah, just about glasses. everything. Yeah. <laughs> but there you go. That's that's life. That's human nature. That we all have our own fears. Uh, so mm. you can get over them. But yeah. you know what, uh, Michelle, I did want to ask you a question, and mm, this oh. is something something you said a little bit earlier, and you said you went to Finland, and as, as a psychic medium, you, you hear spirits as well, I, I believe. I mean, yes. do they speak English, or do they speak Spanish? Um, it's, it's more of a sense of, um, I can't explain it, really, because sometimes it in England they don't speak English either it, it's it's not it's not that you hear a sentence you hear snatches of words or you might see pictures it's very rare that you get a whole sentence strung together but over in Finland it's more a question of feeling thoughts sorry say that again thoughts more more thoughts, yeah, thoughts. Than sentences. Yeah, thoughts. in other words you yeah. kind of you kind yeah. of and it's um I mean I, I've spent 
um, more than five years attempting to learn Finnish, and I can still only just about manage to order a beer, <laughs> and that's it. Get the important things sorted out. That's yeah, there you absolutely. Go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I, if they were speaking Finnish, I don't think I'd understand. But I, I, I do believe that in spirit there isn't so much of a language barrier because if there was, I don't think that mediums in general would pick up as much as we do. Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, I've heard uh, mediums come out with different kind of varieties. Again, it's down to the individual's experience of how they interpret psychic phenomena. And some of them, when it comes to translating something from spirit, they see it as a painting of the words on a wall. And then the medium has to really? try and clearly see this writing in front of them to try and say it out loud and saying, this is what the spirit's saying. And you're basically really? reading something that you're mentally seeing. Or you can actually hear what's being said. And then you've just got to try and say it yourself through your own mouth and you know, take it from thought to mouth. Uh, so there's different varieties. I mean, this is what we discussed with Ross Bartlett before, because I always found it interesting if I went along with him to Egypt, could he actually come out with different names? And Ross has been all over the place, and he has come out with uh, various names and different dialects that Ross is totally not familiar with, um, just because he's sensing it or hearing it, and then he just tries to say it himself, and it makes sense to the person that he's giving a reading to in a different country. It's almost as though, are you familiar with the, the concept of the Babel fish? Um, oh, no. No. Uh, no, no, have, you read, have, have you read The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by the late lamented Douglas Adams? I never you, read it, but I watched both really? versions. Of, yeah, but you a while ago. Watch the versions? No, you need to read it. You really need to read it. And in, in the, it's, it's fantastic. In The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, everyone can understand everything, everyone else, because of the Babel fish. It's a small yellow fish-like thing, and you put it in your ear, and it feeds on brainwaves, and, the, um, and it excretes translation of whatever it is that you hear. Um, it's a wonderful concept. Obviously, it's never going to happen in science, but that, that's the way that I tend to think of um, what you hear as a medium, because it's as though it comes in in one form and comes out in a way you can understand it. That does say it. Never say never. Maybe yeah. one day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the, the whole concept of the Hitchhiker's Guide, the you know, the don't panic device. I mean, we've got that already now, haven't we? <laughs> in a in an iPad or an iPhone or a BlackBerry or whatever, you've you've got the Hitchhiker's Guide. Yeah. I, I, it's a brilliant concept. I've seen it somewhere before where there was something like someone swallowed a tablet. I forget, it was some sort of science fiction thing, but just swallowing tablets made you just be able to understand every language there was. Mm. Uh, and, you know, for you, you wouldn't see any difference. I suppose it's kind of like Dr. Doolittle in a way, when you saw him communicating with um, animals, but from everyone else's perspective, it was something completely mm. different. It was, it was, you know, I'm not talking down the whole mediumship thing, but it's just for the person that's actually receiving this information, it doesn't yeah. seem unusual. Everything's interconnected. But for someone looking on the outside, you can see why yeah. it's easy for people to doubt. Absolutely. And, and you mentioned about talking to animals. Um, I know some fantastic animal communicators and they come out with things that you think, well, how could they possibly know that? Um, about my, I've got five cats, um, one of whom is sadly missing. I know I like you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've, I've lost a big ginger stropey thing called Lemmy, who's uh -oh. been missing now for just over two weeks, three weeks. 
and I know he'll come back eventually. I'm convinced somebody's feeding him somewhere, and that's the problem. Um, I, say, I hope that's not the one in old Portsmouth that's like the size of a dog that's a massive, fluffy ginger cat. No, he's not fluffy. He's not fluffy. Oh, he's, he's, he's marvellously sociable. Um, we thought he'd maybe got shut in the school, but we've checked now at the back of us. He used to go and take part in the music lessons or any other oh, lessons, in good. fact. <laughs> Oh dear. Yeah, sorry, I'm going off, I'm good at going off at a tangent. <laughs> I, I did want to add one thing too, because um, when I, you know, I, I, a lot of people get into this thing, they always say, well, I, you know, I'm, I was in the paranormal, I was a medium because I've had all these experiences when I was young and all this stuff. And you know what, I never did. I never grew up in a haunted house. I never had any paranormal experience that I know of. And, uh, you know, when I, I got involved in uh, ghost investigation, um, I was really skeptical of mediums. I really didn't believe in them or anything, but, you know, I'm always open-minded. But through the years, and I always used to say I was psychic as a brick, but now I I consider myself a dumb medium. And, mm-hmm. I, and I use that term because I don't try to be a medium. I don't practice being a medium, but I don't know if it's all the years of working with Maureen or doing ghost investigation, but things will just pop in my brain. They're usually mm. accurate. So uh, that's why I call it dumb medium. And, and we were talking about, you know, different languages and stuff. You know, I don't see any writing. I don't see even a spirit sometimes. I just get, I don't know, I guess you would say messages, no no, no reason or rhyme to it. In other mm. words, you're not, mm. it's not like someone's telling me or something. It's, it just mm. pops in my brain. Yeah, so it, I, it's an interesting. I think you're right. Every everybody sees the paranormal a little differently. I think there's there's two different things there as well. One is that um, we have learned to, for the most part, to shut out our natural intuition. And in ages past, when we lived hand in hand with nature, without all this technology around us. Um, we would have had to have had a much higher level of personal intuition in order to survive. So even just our sense of what prey, what what might view us as prey if they were nearby, you know, there's something coming around the corner that's dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, and, and Mother Nature never throws anything away. She's the ultimate hoarder. So all those intuitive talents are there inside us. Um, in case of a, a rainy day, like the piece of cardboard with the square hole cut out of it that you don't ever throw away because it might come in handy one day, you know. Um, that actually happened, by the way. Um, and I threw it away and, and I got told off because the following week it was required, of course. But the, the other thing is that um, I take it you're familiar with Usain Bolt, the runner. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, he has a fantastic gift for running very, very fast. And he's trained very hard for it. Now, he's probably a crap medium, but he has still got those intuitive talents. And if he chose to work on them in the same way that, you know, you've been working with it and around it for so long, then he would develop his intuition and he would become better at it. In the same way that, you know, I, I can he can run very fast, I can just about stagger up to the the chemist and that's it but if i trained to run i'd become a better runner so it's, it's exactly the same thing if you if you work at it and if you work around the subject you know you you immerse yourself in the subject you will improve regardless of whether you're not whether or not you consider yourself a psychic as a brick 
to it then it will come and some people will be able to develop it to the same you know the same degree as a as a, an olympic athlete mm. and other people will just be like me and able to stagger up to the chemist you know so yeah. um but I, I do believe that um family that's open to it helps you to be open to it so the fact that you've got this history in your family has obviously helped to draw you to the field but the interesting thing about it, uh, Michelle, is that, you know, we never talked about the paranormal. I mean, I never even knew this until, you know, a little while ago. Um, you know, I, I, I never believed in mediums. I thought they were all charlatans. Mm. Uh, so, I, you know, it was not like uh, I was nurtured or anything. It, it, so that end of it, uh, maybe it's a combination of the, the two. Maybe it is heredity mm. and and the, uh, the exposure to the paranormal uh, mm. and working with Maureen. Don't know. Mm. Really don't know. It's interesting. Possibly your your family and spirit that are um, perhaps drawing you in slowly but surely. <laughs> Sucking me in, huh? Turning me to the dark side. That's it. <laughs> Run the remote viewer. There you go. <laughs> no, I didn't say I could remote view, Cal, so don't exaggerate. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm going to test you on the Zener cards further later. You're are definitely you able those to pick it up. If you practice, if you practice, you might become a good remote viewer. Actually, you know, Cal, I think we should do this as a regular part of our show. What, a little remote viewing test each time? I think so, every week, and we'll have whoever wants to do it, including myself, I'll, I'll give a shot at it, and, and believe mm. me, I won't be good at it, but I may be, who knows. Um, and we'll do it, and we'll just, whatever it is, it is. So, the interesting thing, um, I do a paranormal study group that meets once a month at uh, Circles of Wisdom, and last month's class or actually it's this month's was on the Victorian spirit circle and uh, uh. basically we got everybody uh, became a medium for this thing and you just get the you, you just sit in a circle and you you open your mind and whatever comes up uh, you you stand up you walk to the person and say I have a message for you and this is what I see and or whatever it's not a, you know it, it, whatever it is you just say and it, it, it's kind of interesting it was very interesting people that have no uh, believe no ability at all came up with some interesting things so. there was a fantastic um survey if you like done that the victoria i'm a bit of an a, um an anorak on victorian spiritualism sorry probably uh I, it's one of my obsessive hobbies should we say is looking oh, cool. at um victorian spiritualism and um 
and the Victorian Dialectical Society commissioned a huge survey into spiritualism because they were very, very keen on trying to prove um, by science that, that it was true. Um, so they set up all over the country, they set up these little committees of people who would meet in their, their, um, their living rooms and parlours and have seances. And then the results of this massive survey were published in a book. And I, I've got a copy of the book and it's, it's absolutely fascinating reading. And in a lot of cases, nothing happens. But in some of them, you know, you know, you think, well, something there has definitely happened. Um, and sadly, it doesn't look as though anyone ever came up with a definite conclusion. <laughs> I, I don't think there is one, that's why. I don't think there is, no. <laughs> there's, a, there's a fantastic way that uh, there was a, one of the reports dealt with um, table tipping. And mm-hmm. um, they came up with a, a fascinating way of proving that table tipping is real and not somebody doing it themselves. And I've not seen anyone try this, but basically all you do is you have um, your people stood around the table and you put some chairs around the table, but you don't put them so they're facing into and under the table. You turn them around so that their the backs are mm-hmm. up against the table edge or near to the table edge. And then you make everyone kneel on the chairs and then they put their fingers on the table and you uh-huh. cannot affect you cannot affect the table if you're sat in that position. Interesting. Yeah, it's worth trying. I've not seen it done, but it's worth trying. You know what, Michelle, I I hate to say this, but uh, I heard the doorbell. It means the pizza's here, so we have to wrap it up. Uh, I would love to have you back on the show to talk a little bit more about uh, Victorianism, if you would, because uh, that is also, I'm really, really delving into... uh, all the uh, spiritualism and, and Victorian mm. spiritualism, especially, and and I, I I just want to make a quick comment in that um, as part of that study class we did we did table tipping. I wasn't involved in it. I was the, the observer, the facilitator, and they started off with I think four people in the thing, and the table kept turning to this guy who was outside the circle. In his first mm. time of the the class, never been there before or whatever, mm. and. It wasn't even a, a believer, and so they put him in the thing, and believe it or not, the Spirit was calling for him, and there was a whole series of questions, and they got the table, got every single one of them right, wow. uh, except the initial of the grandfather, and mm. if you know in table tipping, you have to spell out the initials, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah. So that could have been filed up. But yeah. still, of all the questions, questions like color of his eyes, questions of color of his hair, uh, mm. what type of eyeglasses he wore, what branch of the military, wow. all these things were really specific, and they did mm. great. But we do have to wrap it up. So, Michelle, yeah. <laughs> we, we want to thank you so, so much for being on the show. And we will have you oh, back because you. I, I do want to talk more about this. And to you, you're a, you're a fantastic person. You love cats. You have a good sense of humor. You said booby. <laughs> I'm happy. <laughs> thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, no Cal, Speak to you soon, Michelle. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. All right, Cal, we just, uh, just about out of it. But, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to meeting you very shortly. And you'll be over here for Spirit Quest and uh, a bunch of other stuff. And uh going to be a lot of fun. Yes, indeed. I'm going to drink you under the table as well. Go to the website, neghostproject.com, the letter N, the letter E, ghostproject.com. Good night. God bless. From ghoulies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night.
Deliver us, good Lord. This is t-